There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that will get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we're going to be diving into part two of Calling Silent Bulls. It's good timing because right now it's September Elk season is in full swing. I've actually been out pretty much every day except for a few travel days and had some really great encounters. Now, depending on where you're hunting, what you might encounter, you're probably going to encounter at some point in your life elk that are being quiet. So last week we covered that setup on calling for silent bulls, which is a very important step. But now we're going to be taking it a step further and covering the calling aspect of drawing in a silent bull. So we'll be talking about the calls you want to make, how often you should call, and then when you should move. But before we go there, I want to share the story of Rocky, the annoying squirrel, and the ninja bullwinkle. This hunt took place a little while back. I was actually guiding a client, and it was just one of those weeks. It was like pretty hot out, early season, I would say probably about this time in September, where, you know, every year is a little bit different. Some years, the bulls early September are just spouting off and it depends on where you're hunting too. Like, um, I kind of, I, I ran into a, a little bit earlier rut action down South this year. And then, you know, sometimes you go further North and it might be the opposite. They might be rutting a little bit later. I kind of feel like the rut's going to be a little bit early this season. This, that was kind of my prediction, but, um, in places where it's been hot and dry, you know, they might, they might be waiting for some more of that cooler weather. And once that cooler weather comes, then things are going to kick off. So this particular hunt, it was like pretty hot. The week before was a lot, actually a lot cooler and we were We'd hear some bulls sounding off, but it was like most of the bulls had not really started gathering up cows yet. 
you'd get a little bit of action in the mornings and then you'd hear some bugling in the evening, but temperature kind of made it a little bit tough and the elk weren't super vocal. Uh, so, so this particular week, you know, we, we kind of resorted to a few different tactics, but a lot of it was checking feeding areas because what was happening was the cows were coming out and feeding. And then what you would find is like the cruising bulls, the bulls that are just going and they're still doing their thing. They're checking for cows would cruise those areas that cows would frequent. So there was a few places we could glass. And then there was just some areas where it's like, I spent the day trying to maybe turn up a bedded bull or whatever, and then check feeding areas for new sign and thinking, okay, I'm going to pinpoint these elk. So midway through the hunt, we, there was a couple different meadows that we'd been hunting. And there's this one meadow that you could, you just couldn't glass. It was kind of flat. It was opened up in the trees. I, I actually found it on this particular hunt. And I was like, Oh, didn't even know this was here. This was before you could turn on a, <laughs> like a, uh, you know, like a, a digital map on your phone and see what the land looked like. You just had to walk somewhere if you wanted to know what it looked like. You know, you'd have a, a, a paper map. And even then I was like, eh, paper map, whatever. I mean, I just boots on the ground kind of exploring. So I happened upon this little meadow and it was in this little, it was kind of a up higher, this little saddle and the saddle came down to this wet spot. There was some water in there and then it opened up to this like grassy spot and there's some aspens at the bottom of it. And I'm like, dude, this place, this is when you think elk country, you're like, Ooh, elk country right here. So I got in there that, that morning and it was like, it was mid morning and I could just smell. I was like, there's been a bull in here last night or this morning, like you could smell he bedded and we came down to the bottom and we could see where he had bedded up and looked like a lone bull. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be our spot. I, I really like this. I, I was thinking like, I don't know where this bull went and I don't want to blow this bull out of here. So we could, we could go still hunting, maybe try calling, but the winds were a little swirly that day. And I thought, let's wait till the evening. I think this bull is going to come back. He's going to be in this zone. And I thought, let's just kind of, we're going to plan on being here this evening. So we get, we get set up that evening. And, and my thought is like, I'm going to call like, Hey, some cows and maybe even another bull came into the zone and, and hopefully draw that bull in. I was hoping to get him fired up. So we get set up and I'm like waiting till the shadows is the sun was uh, like the way it hit this meadow. It didn't really get shaded till a little bit later. So it's still kind of warm out. But the thermals are good. I'm believing that once that shade hits the, with the prevailing wind and the thermals, everything's going to be right. Like this is a solid setup, right? So I'm like, okay. I start my cow calling and mew, 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 doing a few here and there. And I've got my hunter set up and I'm sitting back and I'm like, all right, here's my scenario that I'm going to build out. I'm doing the cow calls and then I'm going to set it up like there's cows in the meadow and like they're just talking with each other, very spaced out, very mellow. Um, maybe just communicating and then like a small bull is going to come in here and maybe disturb things a little bit like maybe get a little frisky try to move things around that's the illusion that i'm making so i start out with cow calls for the first bit that i'm sitting there and now it's getting to that time where it's like okay here's where the action is going to be so i figured if he's bedded he might hear what's going on and then come investigate but i really wanted to know if he's there so i'm going to throw out some bugles in a little bit but I want to wait till it was the good time when he's going to be the most active. So I'm waiting and it gets like that perfect time. And I, and I let out a cow call and I hear like <laughs> behind me and I'm like, Ooh, I use my ears as much as my eyes and my nose. Right? Like, is that a bull? And I turn around. I don't see anything. I'm like, okay. And then I hear 
like cow call again and then more noise. And I look back, there's a squirrel back there. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I, I throw out a bugle. I'm like a light bugle, just short, you know, little, little test the waters bugle. And that squirrel like runs to the tree that I'm sitting behind and climbs up it. Maybe, I don't know, five feet above me. Nah, probably 10 feet above me. I'm like, okay. And just starts barking at me. I'm like, ah, dude, this thing is like prime time. And I don't like animals can be keyed into noises. And when a squirrel's giving an alert, uh, like an alarm bark, probably not the best for incoming elk. So I'm like, I'm just going to ignore it. I got to keep calling. So I threw out some more cow calls and that squirrel just like fires up. He is absolutely annoyed, just like making more ruckus. And now he's like throwing pine cones down the tree. <laughs> and I'm like, meow, meow. and he's just freaking out, like jumping from every branch, meow, 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 barking at me, like just freaking out. And he's like throwing stuff down the tree. I was like, maybe I must, there must've been it. Like his nest must've been right in that tree above me. I'm like this thing is pissing me off. So I'm like trying to shoo him away because I was like, I don't want this squirrel to ruin my hunt, but I also don't want to like make too much noise. So I'm like, cannot get the squirrel out of the tree. And he's like coming down the tree right above me, barking and then going back up and just pitching giant ponderosa pine cones or whatever down the tree toward me. I'm like, this thing is pissing me off. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, there's nothing I can do. We're here. We're set up. So I give some more cow call. Every time I call that squirrel just even gets more fired up. So I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? I get a little rock and I'm like chucking it toward the squirrel. And like, he jumps up and now he's just like making a massive commotion. And I'm like, oh gosh, this thing is, I don't even know. So I've got my 44 pistol on my hip because there's a lot of bears this year and I had a bear tag and I was like, uh, and I'm, I've got like this thought, I'm like, I should just shoot the squirrel. Like it was annoying me that bad. So I cannot get the squirrel out. He ends up, he's like up in there and some, I don't know if he's, I'm pretty sure he's intentionally trying to drop stuff on my head. Like I'm sitting there, I'm like trying to be super quiet, listen for elk and I can't hear anything because the squirrel is just going ape shit. And so I'm like, I, I had had it. So I just like, grab a big rock, take a few steps back and just chuck it as hard as I can at the squirrel. I actually hit like right next to the squirrel, but the branch that was on the squirrel, like flies off, gets down, runs away. I'm like finally. So I'm like, I'm talking to my hunter. I'm like, that squirrel it was just driving us both crazy. I was like, this squirrel is making me nuts. No pun intended, just nuts. So I start calling again. I'm like calling. And I'm like a few minutes later, like it seemed pretty close. The squirrel's like 10 trees over just going crazy. And I'm like this freaking squirrel. I was like, I'm pretty much at this point unclipping the, <laughs> unclipping my pistol. I'm like, I'm going to, you want squirrel hunt. We're going squirrel hunting. This, this squirrel is driving me nuts. So, um, I look over and I'm, I'm like, you know, at this point I've like got up through rock, like everything's whatever. And I'm like, look over, I'm just going to walk over there and just push the squirrel off, like do a squirrel drive. And I look over and I'm like about to get up and I like, something looks weird. And that squirrel's just going crazy over there. Not very far away. It's fairly thick. And I'm looking, I'm like, hmm. hmm. And all of a sudden I see like one of the tree kind of things move and it's an, an elk leg. I'm like, dude, 
get ready. <laughs> like here's, here's a bull. And now that squirrel's above the bull, just barking and going crazy at the elk. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, okay, this thing just snuck in. Like we couldn't, we could hear the squirrel, but we could not hear this bull. It was just like, I called it the ninja bull. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep our calling. So we're calling. And then I start hearing stuff falling out of the tree. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This bull is probably now, he's like moved in and he's probably like 30 yards away, but we have no shot. And now like squirrels doing the same thing. Like just stuff's coming out of the tree. Things are hitting around and the bull, like I can see the bull like kind of getting antsy. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) Come on. So I let out a little bugle in the other direction and he, that bull doesn't bugle back. He's just kind of like looking and start walking. And then he's like, things are falling behind him. And he's like looking back. I can see him looking back and looking toward us and like trying to look through the bushes and then slowly just turns away and saunters off. And I'm like, I fully believe if that squirrel was not there, we would have had that bull walk right in. But there was so much commotion. A squirrel was just so annoying and annoyed that bull enough to the point where he's like, hmm, something's uneasy here. I'm just going to leave. And unfortunately we didn't get that ninja elk that snuck in because of a very, very annoying squirrel. When it comes to calling an elk that won't call back, I wouldn't necessarily consider them. I think a lot of people are under the misconception that they're like call shy elk. Like they, they aren't calling because, um, calling doesn't work or they don't want to make calls no it's just more of a fact of those elk are probably alone and you're calling to lone bulls and they need to kind of feel the situation out they're kind of going in there and and trying to see what's going on so when i'm calling to elk that aren't necessarily bugling back what i want to do is i want to use calls that make them feel comfortable so we're going to kind of go over a few of the calls that i use in these setups when i'm thinking When just things are quiet and I'm trying to match the tempo of the woods themselves, where I'm not screaming all the time and throwing out a lot of big, bold bugles because that's not what really is going on out there. So let's go over the calls. I've got just a diaphragm style uh, Rocky Mountain game call kind of call right here. Um, This one is just a actually just a cow like made for cow sounds. If you're new to using like diaphragm type calls, I actually suggest starting with a a call that's designed for making cow sounds because they're generally easier to blow. You need less pressure. And so you can kind of get tones and notes easier. And it's a really good place to start with these type of calls. Now, if you aren't familiar with the diaphragm type calls, you, you can't really use them that well or whatever. You're just getting started. Any kind of cow elk call will work. So this is, we're going to start out with cow elk calls and um, the open read ones are really good as well. So I would say if you're using just like a, a call, the, the, the open read style one where you kind of run your lip or your teeth over it because you can make multiple different sounds and you can easily obtain these kind of sounds. If you're like, whoa, this is my first time in the elk woods. I I don't really know. Then I'm going to say the the next kind of call is like a push button call. And you hear like guys that maybe are elk hunt a lot bag on these calls a little bit only because it's like, oh, there's another hoochie mom. It's like the same mew mew sound. Uh, but there is a time and a place for those calls for people that's like, you can make the correct elk sound with those and you can call an elk with them. It's not impossible. It's not actually even there. They do work. So um, if you're using push button calls, I would recommend two different ones. Um, if they still make them, 
I haven't seen them in a while, but the Hoochie Mama, which is, I think is a Primos one. And then the Carlton call, I can't remember what they call it. Maybe it's like, I feel like it was called like the buttalo or something button, like something with the word button in it. Um, anyways, it's like, uh, it's more of a horizontal shaped one and it's, and it's got a longer drawn out sound. And so I like the combination of these two things, like short muse. And then what I call like, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even share this, but this is like the, the call that I like is like this long drawn out cow sound. And what it is, is I, I don't know if I was like, I'm not an elk. I don't know what, but it's, it's more of like this more mature cow sound, but it also kind of leans toward a estrus wine, but not as much. So it's just a sound that I feel like gets bulls curious, especially when they're by themselves. So I've got this call here and I'm going to give you a couple samples. Um, so the first one's just going to be these muse. And I do this like it's cows talking amongst, amongst themselves. So it's just going to be a cow going meow, meow, meow. That's not with my call. It's just with my voice. But um, to give you an idea, I, I kind of don't know if it's going to blow the microphone out or not. So we'll give it a shot here. I might take the headset off for a second and then I'll, I'll give the calls and then we'll go back to explaining them. So here's here's going to be the, the sample of cow calls amongst themselves. The, the soft cow calls that you want to try to make. Just mew, mew, mew. Now I'll space those cow calls out, just like starting out really light, just going mew, 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 like one cow talking and then maybe two more responding. Uh, one thing that I'll notice that I, I even do this and I, I find it when I'm like filming myself and, and calling and I'm like, sometimes I do too many calls too close together. So when I'm starting out in an area where it's like, okay, I, I believe there's a bull here. I've got everything right. I'm trying to call to an elk and I know that the way the season's going right now, they probably won't be able back. So I'm going to start with these cow calls. I'm going to start like, it's just maybe a, a cow got up and it's walking or doing something. And then it's another cow responded and they're just kind of talking amongst themselves. So what it's doing is just saying like, Hey, we're a group of cows here and nothing else is going on. We're just kind of talking and we don't really care what's going on, but if there's a bull around, maybe he'll come investigate. Now, the next kind of call that I put into the sequence is more of a little bit of a long drawn out sound that sound. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'll do, I'll start with like, I'll do a couple different sequences. So when I first start down, it's just one or two cow calls, um, with whatever open read kind, whatever kind you got, give a couple cow calls and you're sitting and you're waiting and you're listening and sometimes now what you really want is you want to bull the bugle to that. That's cool. That works really good. <laughs> then it's not no longer calling to a silent bull, but that's not always the case. If you know there's elk around, you know that they're, they're going to be running, they're going to be active, but they just aren't making noise. This is a great way to start out. And then I'll start throwing in. So I kind of work, I work my calls up in progression, like building up to something. And then I throw out like a little bit longer cow sound. And often I will do this through my bugle tube. Um, it also just kind of helps that cow sound travel. If you're in thicker country, you need that sound to travel. Nobody, I, I actually just wrote an article for Western Hunter and it's about the way sound travels. And and my final thought was you can't call in a bull that can't hear your call. Like he could be 200 yards away, but if he doesn't hear it, he can't respond to it. He can't come in. So making something that's loud enough for cow or bulls or whatever off in the distance to hear that sound is important as well. So I always start out quiet kind of like your predator calling in on a stand when your predator calling, you start out quiet calling in maybe anything close. And then I build up 
the sound and then I drop that sound back down. So here's another call that I throw out a lot. This is that more wine type call. And here it is through the bugle tube. So what we're doing is we're we're now going to set up the scenario. We, we've got into our spot and we're just going to kind of start calling and throwing out cow talking and then maybe a little bit of uh, inflection with those cow calls. And it'd be something like this. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. So once we've got that going, now we're just going to kind of sit and wait, listen, maybe, I mean... I, now I, I told a story about squirrel ruining a hunt, but many times you'll hear squirrels going off in the in the woods behind you, and it's they make that noise, those barking sounds, those alarm sounds toward elk as well. So it could be something where you're you're just keying in: is something coming? Is this whatever? And which way is the wind going? Paying attention and seeing, you know, is this working? Now as I go and sit, now wait, I don't know, five, ten minutes, whatever I feel, and then I will start kind of that sequence again 
continuing to broadcast those sounds. As I build up the volume and then the frequency, I might even throw in a few bugles in there, like trying to draw a bull in. So it'll be cow sound, cow sound, cow sound, and then throwing out that locator bugle kind of in a different direction than my cow sounds are coming from. What I'm trying to simulate is cows are in this area where I'm kind of calling. And then maybe there's another bull that hears a cow sound and he's bugling, throwing out that locator bugle like, hey, ladies, I'm here. Many times that might get another bull to respond, but there are those bulls that are just going to kind of try to sneak in and see what's going on. So I keep working those cow sounds and then adding in those bull sounds as well, where it's like it kind of gives him the sense of urgency, like, ooh, I better go over there and check it out before that guy does. And that's something that's worked for me really, really well in the past. Now, one thing that you want to consider is like, well, how often should you call? The frequency in which I call kind of depends on the area where I'm at, how well I think my sound's traveling, and how likely it is for elk to um, kind of be there and be a natural presentation of the sound. So if it's early or middle of the day, I kind of space them out more. Like if I'm like, well, I'm just in this area, maybe it's like I'm near a wallow or something where they might travel. And it's, it's something that might attract an, a bull either way, but he maybe he's bedded off in the distance. I'm like, okay, I'm moving to a spot. I, I find a good spot. I'm like, that eh, feels good right here. Nothing else is really going on. Let's just sit and call and see what happens. Um, I might just call every five to f- uh, probably every 15 minutes. Like a few light calls. Like so, you can really draw in a bull with sometimes less calls than more calls, especially if it's like a, a part of the day where it's like, there's probably not going to be any action anyways. Now. Yeah. It's not going to be like you do this and it's, it happens and it's really fast paced action, but you're kind of doing these calling to these silent bulls in between other things that are going on during your hunt. So you're set up and I might give it a few minutes here and just spread out one or two calls wait a little while, five minutes, whatever, one or two calls. And that, that can also really pique the curiosity of a bull. Now, if I'm in an area where it's like, ah, it seems like a feeding area, evening time, um, maybe I can throw out some more calls. It's like, well, that's when elk would be more active. So I can cow call more, cow call more, and maybe mix in some of those bugles. Even you know, throughout the day, I'll, I'll mix in those bugles in all these setups generally, because sometimes you'll get a bugle in response to it and it carries a little bit further. But I'm I'm sitting there and thinking, kind of timing things based on the scenario, the time of day and how close I, or far away I think elk might be. Now, if I'm thinking I'm in an area where, Hey, maybe I'll catch a cruising elk. I want to be calling more often and maybe, uh, for like longer periods per set because uh, that sound might not be traveling as well. And I want to make sure that I catch something while it's there, while they're moving. So in the evenings and mornings, I might be calling more often, maybe in the middle of the day when I'm in a good spot, I might wait for a little bit longer and call less in between those calls. Now the idea, when should you move? I think this is a really great question because it's, do I get in here and set up and just sit all day in one spot call? Like, is that going to be effective? No, it's not. I mean, it can be, but I, I don't really think that's a super effective way to hunt elk. Now, if you've got, like, let's say you're in an area where you, don't, you maybe you're hunting a piece of private or maybe a piece of public that's around a lot of private or you don't have a lot of area to go, then yeah, find a spot and then do these cow calls and, and you're going to have to try to draw the elk to you. If you're in a big public land unit where you can cruise, you know, I like to stay mobile, stay moving, and then doing these setups like... When I talk about calling to a silent bull, I'm not talking about 
essentially like ice fishing where you drill your one hole and you're sitting there waiting. I'm talking about the elk themselves might not be making a lot of noise, but you still got to move around and hunt the elk. So what I'll do, but you also have to give them enough time to come into you if they're going to come in quiet. So like last episode, it was all about the setup and knowing where these elk might be. And then you're calling to an elk that you're kind of expecting to come in or be an earshot of your call. How long it takes that bull depends on the time of day and how confident you are that something's going to be able to hear you. If you're just kind of cold calling, um, broadcasting into an area where it's like, eh, I don't even know if there's anything here. Um, you know, you might not want to spend a lot of time. Now, if it's like, I feel like there's going to be a bull here, then I'm going to, I'm going to sit up and I'm going to sit. Now, like in the story, I, I was like, I went there probably like 4 PM and was planning on sitting in that meadow till dark because I knew that that was a, an attractant area and I didn't have a lot of better options. Um, there's other times where I'm still trying to find the elk and I might just sit for 30 minutes, 15 minutes, and then call and move on. Or, um, you know, I, I play it like that. So it's not something where I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit here and call the silent elk in this one spot all day long, unless I believe that elk are using that spot a lot. And then I'll move different places based on the time of day. Like, okay, once it's bedding time, then I move into the timber. And then as it gets more closer to feeding time, I move more toward openings and feeding areas. So I'm, I'm timing these things based on where elk are and trying to do other things while I'm doing this, maybe doing some glassing in combination. And, and maybe I'll see a bull by himself. You go, okay, there's a bull. And I throw out a locator bugle and that bull doesn't bugle back. Then I go, all right, that bull is probably going to come in silent. So now I know I got to go get into position. I'm going to start calling. And if I'm calling toward that bull that I know is there, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit there until that bull comes in. Um, but if it's not like that, then I might, you know, call and move, call and move. So you play it based on the activity you're seeing, how well you think the setup is, and then the time of day as well. It's always a lot more fun when bulls are screaming and bugling back and really fired up. But I think that understanding how to call to elk that might be coming in silent can be a really effective way to fill tags no matter the time of season or no matter how active those elk are, because they're still going to be doing their thing. And there is a lot of bulls that will come in silent on you. Even when other bulls are screaming, you're going to have silent bulls coming in. So it's something to be prepared for next week. I actually want to share the story of the best bull I've taken to date and some of the tactics that I used. I, I just recently last week took my biggest elk with a bow and actually bigger than the biggest one I've taken with a rifle. Definitely my PR, my personal record on elk. And a lot of the tactics that I use are some of these things that I'm talking about with the silent elk calling, but also another tactic of hunting elk midday and striking up bugles and calling elk in that maybe they've got cows, maybe they don't, maybe they're bedded off by themselves, but midday hunting bulls, like a, a really good way to effectively hunt that after they're super active and before the evening when they feed that, that big chunk of time during archery season, when what are they doing? They're bedded up. So hunting bedded bulls and how to call to bedded bulls is going to be next week. So you won't want to miss that. And if you, if you haven't checked it out, go on my Instagram, you can see the bull that I'm going to be talking about. It's a, it's a heck of a bull. It's a giant seven by seven. Um, I didn't know he was even that big when, when he came in, I knew he was big, but when I walked up to him, I didn't know he was a seven by seven. Uh, it was pretty cool, pretty cool experience. I got the story there and we'll talk about that next week. So until next week, everyone, Keep calling to the silent ones. Somebody's got to speak up for them. Catch you guys later.
Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. 